tours with horses. You may have seen videos of dogs or cats pushing buttons that speak out loud in English. My name is Carmen and that's what I'm doing only with my horse. I've been surprised and excited and delighted by what Lyra has said so far and it makes me look forward to the future. Who knows what can happen when we give a voice to our horses. thanks for listening. Welcome to episode one. So I started this podcast, Words with Horses, as a way to share my journey with my horse. I already share video as she horse on TikTok, but some of the most interesting moments, the most interesting things my horse has said, I did not capture on video for many reasons. One is just kind of lazy, don't want to set up my phone all of the time to record video, Another reason is uh, Lyra thinks any novel object is a great thing to try to target, so she loves to try to touch my phone. I realize I could totally train her to leave my phone alone and be well rewarded for that. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, So, and sometimes our communication is just really spontaneous. She says things that blow my mind when I'm not there with an agenda trying to capture something specific on video. So it made a lot of sense to me to start a podcast to be able to share some of the stories of the things that Lyra has said and also go over my thoughts and really ruminate on what maybe she meant when she pushed that button. I don't want to anthropomorphize her. I don't want to assume that she means to say something a human would say or that she's thinking things a human would think. I try, while I'm not a scientist, I try to use critical thinking and be as objective as I possibly can be. And so I'd like to think about those topics here on this podcast. Also, last but not least, uh, a one-minute video, a 30-second video, a three-minute video. Yeah, none of that is good enough, uh, which is what TikTok offers to really get into these subjects. In terms of uh, kind of the format of this podcast, as you can probably already tell, this is not a professional podcast. I'm going to say um and ah, and sometimes the volume might get higher or lower as I record at different times. Uh, I hope you'll bear with me. I hope my story is interesting enough to stick with it regardless of those little uh, very authentic amateur pieces that you'll hear in the podcast. I would like to make it weekly if at all possible. I have a, a pretty busy work schedule coming up soon as the school year gets started, but I, I hope that I can keep to somewhat of a weekly schedule. I'm not going to Uh, write that in blood or commit my life to it, but that's what I'm aiming for. Also aiming in the 20 to 30 minute range Um, and maybe longer if I ever get to a point where I have uh, a partner or someone that I'm interviewing, someone I'm conversing with here on the podcast. So I'll talk about options for that a little bit later. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of how the podcast is going to proceed. So in this episode, I want to really talk about how I got started, why on earth I'm doing this, and kind of 
a little bit of my journey to this point. So I had heard of symbolic communication with horses before I ever even had a horse. There was a study I read about several years ago, uh, a study out of Norway that was published in the Applied Animal Behavior Science Journal in 2016. And in this study, they were able to take, I believe it was 23 uh, warm bloods or racehorses, and they were able to get them to touch a symbol to have their blanket put on or taken off. And so how they did this is they had three like posters or cards set up. I would have to review and see exactly how big these were. <clears throat> so on one of these cards, there would be a horizontal line and that would represent, please put my blanket on. And on another one of these uh, icons, another one of these icons was a vertical line to represent, take my blanket off. And then another one was completely blank, which represented no change. And they had a, I believe they had like a study area, a little mini paddock where they could lead the horses in one by one and have them touch one of these icons. And re regardless of what they touched, they would always get a treat. And then they would get whichever action they had chosen, whether putting their blanket on, taking their blanket off, or doing nothing. And they were able to assemble some pretty convincing evidence that the horses were actually understanding what these symbols meant. So for example, there was a, a pretty chilly, uh, kind of rainy day, and there were 12 of the horses who did not have a blanket on. And when they came into the study area, they touched the icon to have a blanket put on them. So there were things like that where the horses were making selections that made perfect sense in context. There was another story where they had left some of the blankets on the horses for a little bit when, they, when a day got a little bit warmer and they were actually lining up to be led to the study area where they could make their choice to have their blanket removed. So I was totally fascinated by this. It made a ton of sense to me at the time, I was working in special education, um, and I still am. I am not a teacher. I am not a therapist. I bow down to all of the teachers and therapists and paraeducators who work directly with the students. It's my job and my mission to support them with uh, technology and compliance and data and paperwork and all of those pieces. So because of my job, I have had some familiarity with uh, symbolic communication in the past. So this is another reason why it really kind of clicked with me. So when I brought my horse home, I knew that I was going to play with this. I wanted to see if this could work for my horse. So how I set this up, it wasn't exactly like the study. I played with this by just making two icons. I had one icon for a brush, which was just a horizontal block with some kind of triangles under it, kind of to represent teeth in my mind. And then I had another icon for treat, which was just a really big plus sign. And each of these icons was about a half page in size, and I had put them in a plastic sleeve to get them, keep them from getting dirty and slobbery and being able to wipe them off. So that's what I presented. 
and I did like train quite a bit with the treat icon. I would just hold up treat and she would touch it and I would give her treats. We have been clicker training, so this was familiar uh, to her, targeting an object for a reward, super familiar to her. And then I'd hold up the brush icon, she'd touch it and I would brush her for a bit. So then I tried to hold both of these icons up at the same time and she would start touching one and then the other and and of course when she touched the treat I'd give her a treat when she touched the brush I'd just brush her for a little bit and eventually it would seem like she would gravitate toward the treat icon as one might expect not that she does not that she dislikes being brushed but she certainly loves her treats and so I was like okay we, we kind of have this here where she is touching the treat icon but of course I wanted to know, is she actually visually understanding? Is she recognizing what that icon means? Or is it just the one on the left? Am I leaning toward that one? Am I looking toward that one more without even knowing it? So I swapped them. I put one in my other hand, you know, the one that was in my left hand went to my right hand and vice versa. And that's where everything fell apart. So poor Lyra, she would get pretty confused and she would kind of be touching them randomly, expressing a little bit of frustration, kind of pawing her foot a little bit. She was still very interested in playing the game. She did not want me to put the icons away and stop by any means, but I could tell that the answer kind of was no. She was not really visually understanding the icons. And that was pretty discouraging for me at the time. I tried a few more sessions and I, I was just pretty discouraged. And looking back at the study, I need to reread it in more detail. And on a future podcast, I might totally dive into it and dissect it uh, quite a bit more. But they did spend a lot of time uh, generalizing the icons in different contexts. So they would have uh, the handler in different positions. They would have the icon high, low in different positions as they were trying to um, teach the horses the icons. I believe they did them one by one at first for a while. And then they did also switch positions of the icons, but they did a lot of work uh, to get to that point. And I suspect maybe I just didn't have that level of repetition. I didn't have so many trials in different contexts that would have allowed Lyra to totally uh, comprehend the icon. So I've kind of shelved that a little bit. I was discouraged and I decided, eh, you know, I don't know, maybe that doesn't work. And I just really focused on clicker training for a while, which is awesome anyway. It's highly recommended. There's an endless road uh, of material and resources and things to learn in terms of positive reinforcement training and I could just do that for the rest of my life and I would totally uh, be busy with that and we would have plenty to learn and plenty of ways to grow. So I, I just kind of shelved that and went along with our regular fun and games. So uh, I think this was about back in April when I started spending some more time on TikTok and I ran into uh, What About Bunny? And I believe her account is I Am Bunny on Instagram. 
So Bunny's uh, owner mom, Alexis Devine, gave her these recorded speech buttons. And the dog was totally pushing these buttons. It was very clear that she was understanding a lot of what she was saying and conveying some really cool concepts. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. It was, it was almost, almost painfully obvious to me because through my work in special education, I've totally been familiar with these recorded speech buttons in the past. We have, you know, totes of them that we check out to our special education staff and programs. So it was like, obviously, yes, this makes so much more sense. And I think it plays a little bit more to Lyra's strengths because she is so very spatially aware. She doesn't always seem uh, as visually aware. Of course, she'll spook at things she sees sometimes, but she is so spatially aware. And she's also very, uh, she, she has a lot of understanding of verbal communication. She understands verbal cues very well. So I thought these buttons would be perfect because she, push, she pushes a button and she gets that immediate verbal output uh, to confirm the button that she pushed. And I was like, okay, great, let's try this. So I immediately bought the Learning Resources Recordable Answer Buzzers on Amazon. And they're around, you can get four of them for around $25 or less. So I also dived in and I did a little bit of reading and uh, a little bit, watched some of the interviews with Alexis Devine and looked a little bit into the, the Fluent Pet Project where they're studying this kind of communication with animals. And there was a pretty common recommendation not to start with a food-related button at first, which is a little opposite of what we do with clicker training, but I did want to keep it a little bit separate and to make sure I could uh, help Lyra understand that pushing the buttons wasn't just for food rewards, to see if communication itself would actually serve as uh, its own kind of reinforcer. So the very first button I gave her was the word scritches, or scratches, or however you want to put it. I, I use the word scritches with her, and typically scritches to us means that I scratch her on her pole between her ears. She typically likes that, sometimes around her jaw. And so that's what scritches means to us. So I got some Velcro uh, that's sticky on its backside, and I stuck this scritches button to the side of her run and shed in her uh, large paddock small pasture where she's out 24-7. So like I, like I said, we had been using the word scritches verbally pretty frequently, um, so she knew what that meant. Sometimes, as some horses do, she was a little excited about uh, somewhat forcefully nudging her head in my space in order to obtain these scritches. And not, not horribly so, but I did want to give her another way, a, a more polite way, uh, that she could ask to be scratched. So that was another reason why I gave her the scratches button. So 
I, like I said, we had modeled, we had, I had been modeling it verbally when I pushed the button on the shed. I maybe pressed it like once or twice. I pressed the scratches button. It says scratches and then I scratched her. And that's a really common thing with the, with augmentative communication, alternative communication, button communication. You want to use the communication system to show your animal how to use it. So that's modeling. You want to model it in all uh, circumstances that you can. So within two sessions, she totally had it figured out. And I have a video, uh, I believe, of our second session with the scritches button on TikTok where she pushes the button and then I give her scritches and she's pretty happy about that. Her lips all quivering. And then she goes and pushes it again and gets more scritches. And it's really obvious that she knows exactly what she's asking for and, and that that's what she wants. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, then there was a little bit of a story. I think this was a little later on after she had some other buttons um, where she would press the scratches button and I'd go to give her scratches like I usually do, but she pulled her head away. And so I was like, uh, what's going on here? Did you like, oops, and press the wrong button or what, what's the deal? And then she'd press scratches again and I'd try to give her some scratches and she'd pull her head away. Like, okay, wait, something's, I'm missing something here. She pressed scratches again and I go to scratch her and then she starts to pull her head away. And then I like, wait a minute, that this, this is something that I am not understanding. And you might be guessing though, that I did not have the right spot this time. She wanted to be scratched up further in her mane. So when I started scratching her uh, up into her neck more, toward her crest, uh, scratching all in her mane, then she was in heaven. Then her lip was quivering and she was arching her neck toward me. She was like, oh yes, right there, right there, right there. So that was just so awesome to me because she had a way, a very polite way, I might add, um, to ask to get her scratches. And she kept asking politely until she got what she wanted. And I, uh, this is where I got to pause a little bit and talk about body language because there is no substitute for understanding a horse's body language as well as we possibly can. And I'm going to be a lifelong study of horse body language because they already talk to us, um, in volumes, novels, that we only catch snatches of when they twitch an ear, blink an eye, sigh, or hold their head up high, or nostrils flaring. All of these little pieces are, you know, words, volumes of communication that I don't feel like I will ever be uh, proficient at understanding. But I need to continue to learn and this button communication with Lyra is no substitute for that. In fact, the better I understand the communication with body language, the better I can interpret her use of her limited word buttons and know that she intends what she's pressing, what she's saying, and really understand what she's trying to say in context because it's backed up by some of her body language and she can confirm or deny my guesses about what she means. So I uh, just wanted to get that uh, said for sure because I don't consider this a substitute for understanding horses 
uh, signals and body language whatsoever. But I do think that these giving a horse actual words to use gives them the power to convey abstract concepts, to talk about objects that are not present, to request things that they either can't request their body language or we're not smart enough to pick up what they're trying to say through their body language to fill in those gaps. So the buttons just open up a whole additional level of communication and thereby, in, in my thinking, a, a, new, a new layer of our ability to have a relationship with an animal to really meet minds in a way that we can't otherwise. So that with the scratches button, that's, that's a huge example of why I'm doing this. And I have several other stories in future podcasts that I'll go into about things that Lyra has said to me that she could not have said in any other way. So that's kind of in a nutshell how we got started. And as this podcast goes on, I will certainly tell more stories about what we've learned, um, maybe some of the mistakes we've made, and kind of where I would like to go in the future because, oh my gosh, I have so many plans for the future. I'll have to do an entire episode on the different types of communication boards that I would like to set up for Lyra. I've got some of them in some little Google Docs and some of them just scribbled on paper and tons of ideas. So I would love to get into that at some point. Another topic for a future podcast is definitely uh, required reading. If you want to do any kind of button communication with an animal, please read Christina Hunger's book, How Stella Learned to Talk. And I say Christina Hunger is probably the most uh, professional level human who has undertaken this project with an animal. She is a certified speech language pathologist, and she taught her dog Stella to talk using these recorded speech buttons. And she really, she, her, her book is a wonderful journal kind of read that has tips at the end of every chapter for how you can translate these, uh, her, her journey to your dog and how to use speech buttons with your dog. So one thing I might be interested in doing is reviewing her book and going back through those tips, maybe even chapter by chapter, and relating Christina Hunger's advice to how that would work for an equine and some of the things I've learned along the way in working with Lyra. And I I didn't start reading uh, How Stella Learned to Talk until a little bit later in my communication journey with Lyra. Um, so there are some things I would have done differently than I might talk about. So I definitely recommend jumping into that book and reading it first if you have any interest in this at all. And it's, it's just cute and fun. It's a great read, a great quick awesome little read in general. All right, so other things to share. I have a Facebook group called Words with Horses where you can join up and there are actually a few other humans 
who are looking into doing this with their hoofed animals. So we have a very small but enthusiastic group that is sharing words on our words with our horses. So um, maybe I will invite some of them and see if they want to join me on the podcast someday so we can converse and share tips and tricks and share our stories on how this has gone uh, with our communication adventure. Last but not least, if you have any feedback or questions, please reach out to me, wordswithhorses at gmail.com. Thank you.